thing about 80s comedies is that they were quoted, and Caddyshack was perhaps the most quotable film, with lines like, thank you very little, be the ball, and did someone step on a duck? Worming into our daily, and I do mean daily lives. It was the follow-up film The Animal House for writer-producers Harold Ramis and Doug Kenny, and it was the launching pad for Harold Ramis as a director. Full of comedies emerging giants like Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield, and Bill Murray, uh, Caddyshack was perhaps the first film since The Silent Days that was almost entirely improvised. And it's only for boys, so women, you're not really going to enjoy it. <laughs> it is mostly for boys, and that is the market that matter because this is 80s Movie Guide. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. I'm Riley Roberts. And I'm Tara McNamara. Caddyshack follows Danny Noonan, a caddy at a country club, where he hopes to be selected as the winner of their annual scholarship. And everyone is trying to smash everyone. <laughs> yes. Throughout this entire movie. It's crazy. Which is actually remarkable that there's less there's not there's not as much nudity as I expected yeah. what you said about it being a, a guy's film honestly I don't think I'd seen it all the way through until I watched it last night I thought I had but I don't think that I did but what, what but I'm not kidding I knew all the lines I know all the lines some of them I didn't realize had come from Caddyshack I've heard them so much in my lifetime uh, you know, like, be the ball. I was like, isn't that just what people used to say? No, it came from Caddyshack. Oh. Yeah. I mean, there's so much of it, but it was totally a dude film, and guys just revere this movie. Did you enjoy it? No. Not, I mean, I didn't hate it. Like, there's definitely been worse, but it's just, I don't care about golf. <laughs> I don't care. Well, and Bill Murray's funny, and it I, it was it's good to see Bill Murray like when he was still on SNL and like when he mm-hmm. you know the exploded. early days. But um, like the fact that his character was literally just a bit like it, like his entire character's story was just a bit right. Like like if he was with Chevy Chase, it was just a bit. Yeah, if he was trying to kill the gopher. It was a bit like. And he had, like, that weird mouth thing. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to me, actually watching it, there were, I I was, I thought Adam Sandler. I thought Adam Sandler was in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was like, Adam Sandler, obviously, you know, whether he's paying homage and, you know, Happy Madison and, I mean, sorry, his golf movie, I realized how much he was influenced by Bill Murray, but particularly that character. Yeah. Um, And by the way, Joel McHale, I realized, is... You've been doing Chevy Chase's bit, you know, all this time, which uh, maybe I'm the last person to get that because, of course, Chevy Chase was on Community with Joel McHale, and then Joel McHale played Chevy Chase in the National Lampoon movie. <laughs> so I think everyone else has figured that out, and now I was just arriving at that conclusion. But um, yeah, you know, you're very perceptive to figure out that it was just a bit because the way this whole thing came together. I mean, obviously drugs, but they, the, the, the original script was 200 pages long. They had worked on it for months, and then it more or less went out the window uh, when they started filming. They had these, they had Chevy Chase, who was a big deal. You know, he'd already left SNL. He had a lot of successful films. Rodney Dangerfield, who had already had a career, and then it was, this was sort of a resurgence for him. And then Bill Murray was just emerging. He'd done um, Meatballs, and uh, you know, and then he he follows it up with 
with with this film. Of course, after this, he does Stripes and then Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters and then you know that's it. Now he's a legend. Um, but this is this is where they are in their careers. But these are guys who were all improv geniuses, as were the writers. Brian Doyle Murray, Bill Murray's brother, had uh, was one of the writers of the film, and. You know, the, the, these guys were improvisers, and so more or less they just went with it. And Bill Murray's character, Carl, was added in after they started shooting. Mm. So that's why he most of his parts are he's kind of separated from the group, and his storyline doesn't really fit in with the whole storyline very well. Uh, and, and that's part of the reason why. And by the way, the gopher was also a, 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 a last-minute ad. He was actually only... The gopher was only in one scene originally. And at the end, because they'd had so much success with all of this improvisation, which gives us most of the lines that are hilarious and that are, that are memorable, um, apparently Harold Ramis, in the editing bay, after the film was shot, realizes his story doesn't connect. He has all these great bits, as you said, like all these great moments, and they don't tie together yeah. as a story very well, and he hasn't, uh, and he doesn't really have an ending. And um, John Peters, who's the executive producer, who was a, a big deal at the time, um, he had uh, said, you know, why don't you use the gopher? Why don't we use this gopher thing to continue it, and that'll... And, and, and I thought the gopher looked more CGI'd at, by the end of the film. CGI? They did not have <laughs> well, CGI. That CGI, is a but if I ever saw one. No, but it's, <laughs> it looked like, okay, like when you first saw it, it was like, this is either a puppet or a little robot. And like the eyes were like blinking like a robot and like very slow and like yeah. whatever. And then by the end of the film, it's like moving around a ton. And like now it has a lot more fur and its eyes blink a lot faster. And now it goes... <laughs> And now it makes noises, and like uh-huh, you yeah. know, now it's like all advanced. <laughs> advanced. I mean, I was ten years old when this movie came out, and I definitely didn't see it in the theater. And like I said, I don't think I ever really saw it. But I can tell you that I strongly recall by 1988, when I graduated high school, that the boyfriend I'd had for two years, like he, this is all I heard from him. Like we're quoting these lines, and so that's how the legacy continued. But it is interesting to me that with the Gopher. The Muppets were around at this time, and you know, um, Jim, Jim Henson's Muppets had movies of their own or made appearances and things. So that was sort of the working puppet technology, if you will, at the time. So it is interesting that in the end they used I don't know what that was, some sort of robot gopher yeah. or a go that or literally a puppet, which probably had someone's hand in it. Probably doing all of that. But when the gopher shakes from fear when he sees it. <laughs> I love that. I love when he sees that the the bunny's head got cut. Like when <laughs> when Bill Murray bit off the clay bunny's head, I was like, "That is disgusting." No, it was brilliant. He did it like a grenade. It yeah. was so fantastic. <laughs> uh, he's so good, and that's the thing is you're just enjoying. And really, Chevy Chase was doing Chevy Chase what he does. Rodney Dangerfield more or less was, you know that that's his act that he and and that's what improv got you. You know, and and Bill Murray created a real character. Um, again, he was Second City, and so that um, in SNL, so that you know, correlated that he would create an entirely different character than himself. But it, it really was fascinating. Um, but how it all came together, and, and that's kind of why it feels a little taken apart. Now, let's talk about like how it influenced Gen X. I mean, well, I watched it with Celeste's family, my mm-hmm. best friend's family, and her dad was like. 
I know all of the lines to this movie. Like, right. This is the best movie of all time. And I was like, really? He's like, you're going to hate it. Yeah. You're going to hate it. But it's the best movie. And I can tell you every single line. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And we watched it. He was like, see, that wasn't that great. And I was like, eh. Yeah. I mean, it's not in any way technically a good movie. Yeah. Critics understandably trashed it. Yeah. Um, and at the box office, it did uh, it did okay. I mean, it wound up making almost $40 million. In 1980, that's a, that's a for lot. a comedy, yeah. that's good money. So, you know, I don't I don't really know. No complaints. It didn't do bad by any means. But, but he did say every single person my age loves this movie. So, and he's 50, so. Wait, he thinks 19-year-olds love this movie? No, he oh, said his everyone, age. yes. Gotcha. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure that is true. Um, and I laughed the whole time, much more than I expected. And by the way, I expected to have much more to say about it as far as it being a negative influence, knowing how it, but there's not, there's like, not there's that like, much. There's like one scene where she's like, hey, want to get high? And then like, they don't even show it. Yeah. They just like go and like. I think, like, go smoke or something for, like, five minutes, and then they have sex or whatever. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. The film is an influence, and I think because this is 1980, it gets hard to tell what was of the era and what was male writers, you know, influencing. Well, that entire girl character, I don't know her name. Lacey Underall? Yeah, that entire character was definitely made up by men because they were like, we need someone. And right now we have a Scottish girl who is about to get pregnant. <laughs> so, and which, by the way, what? Oh, Why? I know. I was so confused because I was like, I know this actress and I know that's not her real accent. Because you can Do you know tell. where she's from? Do you remember? Could no. You, okay, but I, most people can't do it. As soon as I saw I her, can't like, remember, but I know I know her. She's like, in Animal House. She's the 13 year old. Uh, so we see. So I was like, okay, interesting. Number one, we've seen her boobs before. Because this is the thing, right? When Cindy Morgan, who plays Lacey Enderall, walks in and all the guys look at her, you go, because this movie was made in 1980, we're going to be seeing those boobs later, right? right. <laughs> like, Every you know, guy walks by and is like, yeah, those are coming on screen in less than five minutes. Yeah, you're, and I, then I was surprised how long it took. Um, <laughs> so I was, And it was only like one scene. I know. So these or are two. all things I want to talk about. Because these Because with are, Chevy Chase, she didn't even really get naked at all. This is the meat of, of our podcast. Okay, so we're going to start with where you started with the, actually, she's Irish, uh, the Irish girl, um, and uh, uh, is her name Maggie or Molly? Ma- Maggie. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know why she had to put on the stupid accent. It that adds no value Mm-mm. at all. There's not even a story other than I her name. I can't understand her. I know. I can't, I could, like, the only time I understood her was when she said she was pregnant, or she was about to be pregnant, or yeah. maybe she was late, yeah. and that she was crying. Like, and I was like... I'm late. Late for what? For not being pregnant. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I don't hold you responsible. It's my problem. I can handle it, Daddy. Oh, Mag. <laughs> Maggie. Look, look. I'm not going to let you go through this alone. No. Whatever you decide. I'm going to have it. I've already decided. Well, that's it then. We'll just get married. Oh, God, that's all I need. (laughs) That scene is what I have the biggest problem with when it comes to Caddyshack. 
because now I can tell you about how it influenced people because I got knocked up young, (laughs) you know, and so and I know what movies had told me is the right thing to do and say, right? So what you get from that is what is she? She's a hero. I'm pregnant, but and he does the right thing. I will marry you. And then she's like, but she says, like, I am not going to have I'm not going to put this burden on you. I'm going to have it. And it's good. But this is like as if it's her. No, you know, it took me a lot of time to realize that, you know, it it takes two to take. Well, not only that, like two people are responsible. A man should share the responsibility. He should want to share the responsibility. Uh, He shouldn't be so quick to, you know, go, okay, see you. Bye. But, you know, the, the, uh, there's no value to the woman or the child in saying, that's okay, I don't need your help, you go live your life, this is my, you know, this, this is my cross to bear. I mean, that's ridiculous. But movies tell you to do that. And movies written by men told women <laughs> that that was the heroic thing to do. Then he does the heroic thing and says, no, I will marry you. I will be there. And, you know, of course, then she's like, I don't want you around. So <laughs> and then she's like, it might not even be yours. Yeah. Which after, know, right after he had sex with another girl. Which never comes up again, nope. right? Like he just, and so that's the other issue I have with the film is, all right, now listen, there was a sexual revolution that had happened, and we were on the back end of that. Chevy Chase and Danny are now butterfly brothers. <laughs> yes, which was not a problem at all. No one was concerned with that in 1980. No one thought about where your body fluids were going, collecting, and giving you diseases. Um, I mean, they did have what they called the clap back then, and they, they, they did have uh, sexually transmitted diseases, but most of them were treatable. But, but but people really weren't that concerned about it, and no one was using condoms. Like, well, not, I mean, yeah. no one. No one was using condoms. So, uh, anyway. So, okay. I do want to wrap up our pregnancy conversation first. So, the idea that she comes and has this speech and tells him so tearfully after he just sleeps with someone else, of which he has no concern or regard or mention of ever again. Then the next time we see her, she's dancing in a white nightgown on the golf course in the middle of the night. You know, her period dance, like I had my period, life is good. So the question is, why include the pregnancy scene at, at all? all? <laughs> Especially knowing that, that how Harold Ramis had so much content and so many hours of film, you know, of all these scenes that he had to cut. Well, I why mean, keep that? What value does it bring? I feel like it gives, like, if anything, it just gives the like overwhelming and the anxiety of the fact that this kid has no money. His family has not a lot. They have like how I don't even know how many kids. I was so confused by that first scene, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Right. I mean, he's one of countless children. It's Literally, so you many. can't count how many children they have. Yeah. What the heck? I think that. Well, I'll tell you. I think the reference is is that they're Irish, and that's why he's dating the Irish girl because. Brian Doyle Murray and Bill Murray are also Irish and have a ton of siblings. And Irish, Catholic, lots of kids, they're making a joke about it. But go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Um, But I think that it just gives, like, this anxiety that this kid who who already has so many kids in his life is already trying to take care of his own family, is already paying for, you know, his job is for the house like he puts all well, the no, money I think his, in there i don't think so i think his job's for college remember that's well, what no, his dad tells college, him at the beginning also he's like putting 
Mm-hmm. Like, he's giving them money, obviously. Like, no, I, I thought so first, and then I listened carefully, and they, I, it, it, the dad is saying, you put that money, because the way they were having the conversation, I thought it also was about donating to the family fund. But dad's like, no, you need this money for college. But what it's making clear is that there's no way his family can help financially yeah. for college, and yet it's important, and the family recognizes it's important that he go to college. He needs to, even though he doesn't really know what he wants to do, and he's willing to say he'll do whatever. But in the <laughs> 80s, college is your best bet. So Yeah, and that was becoming more and more clear. Um, so I think it was just adding the anxiety to, oh my god, I'm trying to get to this college, I'm trying to make $8,000 like by the end of whatever. Yeah. I'm trying to win this this whole golf whatever the caddy thing is. Right. And now the girl I'm dating is pregnant and I have to deal with this now. Like mm-hmm. that I think it was just adding to like the overwhelmingness. Right. And then at the end he doesn't get like the grant or the Caddyshack scholarship, but he does win like forty thousand dollars or however Which, what, much what, Chevy yeah. gave him. I don't know forty if it was his cut. I don't know because obviously right, but still, college wasn't as expensive in nineteen eighty. I mean, you could go to college yeah. on twenty grand. Yeah, for sure. Like, that, that, would, that that would have worked fine. That's that's what a fourth. I mean, it, I don't even know. I'm trying to think what college cost then, but. It's like a fourth of eight. I think it was just a few thousand. I think for a state school, it was like he said it was eight thousand to ten thousand dollars. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like I think it was a couple thousand a year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, eight to ten is probably about right. So that would have. Yeah. So twenty would have been. And now if you go to USC, it's eighty k a year, like for your food and your dorm. Yeah, stupid. (laughs) Unless you actually have a scholarship. And even then, now they do scholarships that are 50%, and then the, you know, if you're lucky, you can get a 50% scholarship, and um, and then you're like, oh, okay, that's still too much money. <laughs> it's still out of my reach. Uh, and by the way, how did Danny not know that he had swimmers? When you come from a family like that, right? Oh, I know. You're definitely, you know, that's definitely happening. Oh, can we also mention why the heck the other caddy followed him back to Maggie's house What and almost to, watched them had sex? I know. That was creepy and weird. Again, this, I don't know what it is about Doug Kenny or Harold Ramis or Second City, or National Lampoon, or whatever they were doing in 1980, but there was, in the in the 70s, but there was something about Peeping Toms that they thought was hilarious, and by the way, there's enough of it that you know they did it. Yeah, you know they did it. <laughs> Back to the future give you a fat glimpse. He's a Peeping Tom. <laughs> yeah, like... Uh, I don't know. Okay, that's a whole thing. But, um, <laughs> yes, it's so creepy, and it's so weird. So... But what also with that sex scene, so when he has sex with Maggie, she's got granny panties on, (laughs) you know? And so I guess there's no need to show her boobs because they've given her an ugly haircut. Oh, they gave her an ugly haircut. She was so much cuter as a (laughs) 13-year-old. And, you know, they made her unattractive. So I'm also thinking, what's why would you do that unless... The idea of him having sex with Lacey Underall is that, okay, if this is the male thinking that then, of course, would influence other men, is that you have the girl that you marry. You have the girl you can take home to mom. And that girl is not sexy. She's not hot. She's none of those things. She's... Your mom. 
yeah, she's your mom. She's going to be attractive enough. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be practical. And she's going to know how to budget so that you can <laughs> afford electricity in a house. But but Lacey Underall, when you get a shot at a Lacey Underall, of course you're going to sleep with her. And of course a girl like Lacey Underall is going to be a rampant slut. <laughs> you know? I mean, I just, like, what's the the messaging behind all of this? Like, the one girl, because she's attractive, she's going to be the one who will sleep with anyone. Everyone. I mean, why not? You're here. Let's just do it. I was really hoping for a romance with her and Chevy Chase, but... Yeah, I know. I, I thought that so was just cute. The sex, I, they thought they were so cute yeah. together. Because <laughs> they were, like, the same age. Uh-huh. He had a lot of money. It's uh-huh. made sense. Like, yeah. And then like, she went they both, and both screws this... a 16-year-old or something. I know. Like, it was weird. I was like, she's... <laughs> they're educated. Elder they're authority. Yeah. Yeah. They're snobby. They're... Uh, well, they're not... With, right, with the country not, club. Yeah. They're not necessarily snobby. They're like, I'm of this... Um, I, right. I Ranking. Yes, I'm of this ranking, but I'm not them. And it was right. sort of nice because it's like this is the new generation, right? Like we look at what you guys are doing, like the, you know, how clearly they were saying they can't have a Jew in the country club, right? You can't have someone who's black. You can't have it unless he works there. You can't have a Jew. And this is. They golf. had one black guy. Yeah. But, and, but he was a. Well, I know he was and, and he had to shine shoes, too. Yeah, he had to shine shoes, and he had to have a gambling problem. Yeah, so I thought they were so cute and playful. Now, one of the things is because Chevy Chase was improvising so much, um, the scene where he's giving her... A back massage. Uh-huh. Yeah, I knew that was improvised. That was pretty and obvious. The, and she the was oil. laughing at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the oil, that huge amount of oil going... She did not expect that. She was... Cindy Morgan was not happy when that happened. It was pretty clear, obvious. But it worked for the character. <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, and so they were so cute. And so then for them to not really be a thing and just be like, no, we are just hooking up one time. That's it. This is enough. <laughs> That's disappointing. Yeah, it was just one time, too. It was like one spectacular night, and it never happened again. Yeah. Um, Okay, now here's the creepy 80s behind-the-scenes reality. Of course you know there's a Me Too story. Right. I mean, there's actually two tragic stories that come out of this, and they both involve the girls. Right. No one else, of course. Just the girls. So Cindy Morgan, like, I'm not saying she came to Caddyshack and she hadn't been in, like, she was actually a DJ, a radio personality. The uh-huh. Had started modeling. And then um, it, she'd been cast in another movie called Up Yours, which was equal, you know, there were a lot of these sex comedies. So I don't want us to think that only the 80s that saw the sex comedies. They were starting in the late 70s. And she was in one that you would say was was put in there between Animal House and Cand- Caddyshack. But, um, and I haven't seen it, so I don't know if she showed her boobs in it or not. But there was originally no nudity in this film, exactly as written. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, in the pool scene, that girl was not in any scene until they showed yeah, her. Yeah, what like, the heck was that? <laughs> it was like so What weird. was that? Also, there's a girl every, yeah. topless who wasn't even in the pool before. Dude, she, it didn't even look like she had bottoms on either. <laughs> I know. And she was on top of a, a dumber guy. I know. She's that? on his shoulders. <laughs> Ew. It was so bizarre. Imagine feeling a vagina on your neck. <laughs> Ugh. In and, water? I know. <laughs> and just, yeah, there's a lot. Um, that was weird. So, but there wasn't any in the script, or at least, at least Cindy, you know, at least Cindy Morgan's part wasn't scripted. And so they decide, 
as we're coming to find out as we're covering more and more of these films, that at the last minute, the director decided, think we gotta have some nudity. And then they blindside the actress, who's not agreed to this, and then talk her into it. The way she was talked into it is John Peters. And by the way, the way John Peters got into filmmaking is that he was Barbara Streisand's hairdresser. Yeah. Okay, so he's gay. <laughs> he's not him. gay. That's who, and he dated Barbara Streisand. Um, that the movie um, Shampoo is based on John Peters. Warren Beatty plays him. We will talk about that another time. But um, anyway, so he pulls her aside and has the "You'll never work in this town again" right conversation with her. So she's like, okay. And then knowing that because. I was watching that scene, and I know that's the sensibility of now versus then. Right. And, of course, porn was not widely available. At that point, you had to go to a theater and sit with other people. If you wanted to, you had to really want to see some porn. I mean, you would be so committed to seeing porn back it's then. It's called being a man. <laughs> <laughs> so you, a lot of these movies was the only chance for your red-blooded American male to see some boobs, you know? Um, but when, you, I see, when I see scenes where... Guys are kissing women's breasts. I know. And I think them. it's so no. Like Celeste literally said, I could never do a scene like that yeah. as an actress. Like that would make me so unbelievably uncomfortable. Yeah. Like especially being recorded. Yeah. Like you feel so awkward and now you're being recorded and like just to remember that they don't all the audio audio that they put in the background is put in after the scene is taken. So during that scene, there is no music. (laughs) No one's talking. It is just... uh. I know. (laughs) And you've got, like, people all around you. And it's hard for me to see now. I mean, I've certainly heard all the actresses making their reasonings through the years that they said, well, if it's true to the character, acting and not pornography, and I just thought, God, it's really hard to say. I mean, obviously there's no penetration or anything, but I don't know, it just feels like such a violation, and now it just makes, as a woman, just makes me feel bad for the woman who's having to be in that situation and know how uncomfortable she is and that it's unfair. So that's how that all went down. And I also think it's very unfair that they still do this on TV networks. And they still do this in movies. They never show the penis. They almost (laughs) never show the penis or the ball sack. They only show the guy's butt. Yeah. And we have a butt too. But you still make (laughs) us show our vaginas and our breasts on camera. So I don't understand. (laughs) Well, okay. Now I will tell you in the, as we become more um, equal society of recent years and having been a movie critic and covered this from the family perspective for 16 years, um, that has changed. They show a lot more penis than they used to. It used to be a penis I, was like a like an automatic rated X. Yeah. And that's why they didn't. But there's now been, now there's penis in everything. I mean, like the yeah. spy who, what is it? The, 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 the. Spy who dumped me? Yeah, the spy who dumped me. Like, I didn't watch that one. Ken Jeong, you know, Ken Jeong in The Hangover. You know, like there's, yeah. there's penis everywhere now. Like well, now like, I'm I like, just, I don't want to see your penis. So. I'm just basing my thoughts on Shameless because mm-hmm. that, that shows like very like. I don't give a fuck. Like, that's very nudity, very, a lot of sex scenes, a lot of cussing, a lot of drugs, a lot, whatever. And in there, the girl, uh, Fiona, who's, um, Emma, 
whatever her name is. I don't remember her name. Emmy the, Rossum's yeah, character? Emma, yeah, Emmy Rossum. I don't even watch it. <laughs> <laughs> she, her boobs are in every freaking scene. Like, she, like, there's a whole season where she's on, like, finds out what Tinder is and that you can just smash and leave. And, like, that's a whole season. And they never, and, like, yet Kevin, this other guy, is always naked all the time. His Penis is always covered. Like, it's always covered, but he's, like, this big, huge guy. They finally... Every time I've seen a penis in that show, it's been for literally 0.3 seconds. Like, it's, like, dick shot, moved to Fiona's face, being grossed out. Like, yeah. or it's something like... Or, like, they were at a strip... Uh, they were, like, the boys were all stripping for Fiona's, like, wedding because it was her bachelor party. And at the end, one of them rips off his... Um, whatever like uh thong he's wearing and his dick pops out the bottom you know <laughs> mm-hmm. and he has a penis um piercing <laughs> oh okay <laughs> but it only shows enough like it shows it drops you see the piercing and that's it yeah like that's like for shows at, at least from what i've seen like i haven't seen game of thrones but from the clips i've seen it's only naked women well but i, I don't know <laughs> you feel loser Listen, I feel like a hundred dollars. The other tragic story is the actress Sarah Holcomb, who played Maggie, um, and also, you know, was a 13-year-old in Animal House. So this is her last movie. According to the guys on the set, much later, they said that, you know, they, they were a fast crowd. There was drugs nonstop on the set of Caddyshack. Non, and I'm sure Animal House. They said, you know, nonstop cocaine. Cocaine, Chevy Chase said co- cocaine would just materialize. <laughs> People would bring it in in trucks and they would just be like, let's go, you know. <laughs> I mean, there was so much coke on the set. And she was very young. She was 20 when she did Animal House. So I guess she'd be 22 here. And, you know, she wound up having a lot of mental health issues. Uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, other things, she had to be um, institutionalized, and basically, from the things that I read, it sounds like she never fully recovered, and so when parents, you know, from small towns are afraid their daughter's going to Hollywood of the tragic stories, like, this is one of the all-time tragic stories. Well, that's usually what happens with actresses and models that are, like you said, from small towns that come to Hollywood. Like, they don't know what they're doing. They get into a crowd that goes fast, and they're doing drugs, and it's kind of forced upon because it's normalized, and it's, yeah. like, it's fine, and and have I tried this too? Or if that one doesn't work, maybe this will. And, you know, constant, and it's it's like... Peer pressure. I mean, it's peer pressure, but it's also, like, if if that person sees that you aren't fun and wild they're not gonna look at you at a fun as a fun and wild person they're gonna look at you as a co-worker yeah and that and that's how you don't that's how you won't get it into other movies because that person's not looking at you as their friend they're looking at you as a co-worker well, and they're not gonna help you out to try and get you in another movie where you can do more drugs if you're not gonna be doing any drugs in the first place well i think this is a a really good point between what happened with cindy morgan and sarah holcomb the only two women really on the set other than the judge's wife. Yeah. Um, they, you know, so Cindy Morgan's basically pressured into showing her breasts. And then we don't know what happened to Sarah Holcomb, but I do know that, you know, everything was such a man's world. And when you're trying to figure out how to fit in, you know, and so it's clear that she was in with these guys, right? Because they cast her again in their second film, but you know, and, and how did she get to be one of them? Probably by doing drugs with them. That's what's clear. And it's what's clear from the comments after she's super young, just going for it, trying to fit in with the boys club and, 
that can lead to, I mean, that almost always leads to, if you try to be one of the guys, at least in the 80s, my own experience and, and experience I've heard from others is that usually you get burned. Either you get raped <laughs> or you get sexually harassed. And usually, and then when that happens, like, they're not there for you. No. They're not like, you know, you were really never one of us, you know? And I don't know. that It, it really is a tragedy. Well, I ain't paying no 50 cents for no coke. Uh-huh. You ain't getting no coke. About. So then we have the other caddy who is smoking a cigarette during work the entire time and wants to watch Danny and his girlfriend have sex <laughs> and uh, is trying to fight him over like nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just because he said the guy will be back soon. Yeah. His name's Tony. He's Italian, right? Yeah. I think this is like the Irish Italian thing that's going on. But yeah, uh, I thought that was... You know, the thing that may, I mean, again, I'm a girl and this isn't my experience, so it's hard to say, but I do know that in the 80s, there were, guys were always getting into fights, you know? And so I think that that's probably similar to the male experience, but I don't know how true that is now. Like, I don't, have you guys evolved out of that? Do kids in high school, do boys, are they always fighting? Or is that just girls? (laughs) No, like, no, like guys, yeah, guys don't really fight. And if they do fight, it's like, homie fight like your homies they're just play fighting because you want to fight oh there was that one epic fight that was on was it snapchat or where was it that you showed me oh, the yeah. video yeah but, but that but that was like like you can't have fights at school you can't have fights at work but you can go somewhere after school uh-huh. and fight someone there like the girl that tried to fight me when i was in sophomore year by the way she got pregnant <laughs> Uh, my friend told me that the other day. Karma. Pregnant at 16, bitch. <laughs> Wait, deal with it. That whole thing came because you warned your friend about her? Yeah, I said, and don't be, don't date this girl. What are you doing? Because I wouldn't date him. So he got mad, and so he started, like, getting with this other girl that I didn't like and who would use him for sure. And I knew, and I, like, knew, like, I hung out with her, but I was like, I don't really like this girl, and I definitely don't want her around any of my friends. So I sent him, like, a 50 um a, f- a 50 point thing of why he shouldn't date her <laughs> and he showed it to her and uh, she classic. put on her story on snapchat everyone meet at the grass hill after fifth period i'm gonna fight a bitch and i was like is she talking about me okay so after that i go to the grass hill and i'm with my boyfriend and my two only friends at the time because i was at a school i really didn't like and the entire school is surrounding, <laughs> like, I can see all of the football boys with their phones out ready to go. And I, like, they're just surrounding the grass hill. And I'm the only person sitting at, there's like 50 tables around us. And I'm the only person sitting at the table with my two friends and my boyfriend who was like, can you not do this, please? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, I, I said, I didn't want to do it, but she, she called me up here. So I can't pussy out, especially with every single person in the school watching me right now. Uh-huh. And then she never showed up. Mm-hmm. And it was because she was talking shit in class and someone's, um, some special needs kid's aide overheard her and told the office. And they, and they knew and, about the social media. Yeah. yeah. And they, well, I had so, me and all my friends had screenshots and then after that she left and then started Snapchatting me, Snapchatting my friend who she had never met before and started call, telling her to kill herself and like <laughs> saying all this stuff. And so I was like screenshot it screenshot it just screenshot it and then 
And then she told everyone that I told on her and that I was a snitch. (laughs) So then everyone thought I was a snitch. And I was like, I was ready to go. You saw me. Like, I was ready. And then the next day after she got suspended for a week because she tried to fight me, I went up to the principal. I showed him all of her screenshots. She had no screenshots from me. I'll tell you that much. And I have her... Oh, I'm going to fight this girl. Oh, you should kill yourself. Oh, your pussy stank. Like some oh ra- like random things that she was saying. And I was like, look, I have it all. What does she have on her phone? Nothing. Because I didn't do anything about it. And then, and then after that, she put on her story, oh, cops said I'll go to jail if I fight anyone. Sorry, guys. Then proceeds <laughs> to text me, go to McDonald's after the, after, like right next to the school, after school, and I'll beat you up there. And I said, bitch, you know where I live. If you want to fight, you can come to me. Yeah. <laughs> You've been to, to my house. You don't need, I don't need to go somewhere and meet you. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to go to McDonald's. Like, that's, yeah, that's ratchet. Okay. Let's just be, and just, I, you know, everyone should know that these are, this is, this school is a rich kid's school and they're all white. They're all white. And by the <laughs> way, I have to add the parent side of this. I get a call and I only got the message because I was, you know, doing something when I got the call explaining what had happened from the vice principal who says, you know, that the girl's been um, suspended and the matter's been taken care of, but I can call him with questions. Of course, I immediately call with questions. Never calls me back. Never. No. Never calls me back. I even called again. Never called me back. And that school was just ranked the top 50 California high schools. <laughs> this is no, why you left. This no, is why you left that No, school. remember the bio teacher when you were trying to make an appointment with him for an entire year and then he go, you walk in during lunch and he goes, you have five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and you can talk in front of these other students. Yeah, and then you bitched at him, and then he went, I'm sorry, Europe's calling me, and yeah, walked out. Yeah, he did. He said, Europe's <laughs> calling me, and he backed out of the room on his one leg. And he was, like, so weird. No, like, I wanted to weirdest? fight every person at this school. <laughs> it was so bizarre. Uh, okay. But anyways. But anyway, That's Caddyshack. my only fight. That was my only fight fight, girl-wise. Girl-wise, they just want to scare you. Like, girls would be like, your pussy smells, or, or <laughs> slit your wrists. Or, why would a girl even say that? What is it even like? Why would a girl say that? Because guys, the things that guys say hurt us more than what mm-hmm. girls say. So a girl's not going to care if your vagina smells, <laughs> but a guy sure will, and will tell the entire school. So if you say it, that'll hurt her feelings way more. <laughs> So, Caddyshack. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former Grinchkeeper now about to become the Masters champion. Mm. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Okay, so I know the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Bill Murray's improvisation. Okay, so everything he does is improv. Everything. Since he was added in at the end, everything's improv. And then his character is so sexually oriented, right? In the sense yeah. of like, you know, in he the likes beginning, older women. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's like a, you think he's masturbating and he's really moving a golf club. There's a hose, which is, a, and this is the immature humor of men, of men, <laughs> especially in the early eighties and, and all of that. But I did appreciate that he was super horny for old women. <laughs> Wait up girls. I got a salami. I got a hide still. You savage. Come on, bark like a dog for me. Yeah, I think that was like, I but it gave me like a fat creep. Like, yeah, someone came up with this. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. Which means it was in someone's head. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before they wrote it down. (laughs) That's what makes me be like, it's because someone actually was probably thinking that. Like, someone was like, okay, like, looking at some old ladies being like, oh, yeah, you grabbed that grocery bag. Like, (laughs) that's nasty. I don't know. I mean, these, if, if you haven't gotten it, though... They were perverts. I mean, they were perverts. They I would admit that every, they were perverts, these writers and every everything. Every man is a pervert. That's who they... <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. I think men will tell you that they know better now <laughs> than to express these thoughts out loud, but that doesn't mean they don't have them. So in exactly. this early 80s era, they were free to express them. And while I don't have a problem with that, I only have a problem with the fact of how many people you influenced to say certain behaviors were okay. Right. And that is is the bigger problem. Um, all right. Well, I think, like, I think that's pretty much it as far as what we cover. I mean, there's a lot to talk about with mm. Caddyshack, but as far as the, you know, how did it affect Generation X, um, I think that's a, I, the Baby Ruth bit is that's so... Great. I couldn't stop laughing, and I even knew, like, I've seen that scene a million times. And I think that's really what's great about Caddyshack is as dumb as it is, and, I mean, and everyone knows it's dumb, right? Like, it kind of, like, holds up, you know? It's still funny. It still has these things that just make you giggle and laugh, even though you know it's so stupid. Yeah. (laughs) And so, I don't know, gotta love that. Uh, All right. Well, listen, you can find more of our podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can go to our website, 80smovieguide.com, for more information on 80s movies, including very detailed info and all the behind the scenes. And all social media. Mm-hmm. You can go at 80s Movie Guide, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Please like us, follow us, all that good stuff. Uh, have a good day. Thanks. Very little.